Jesus said, uh, you know, what if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? And I think that's, that's, that's one of the goals a church should have, is help people not forfeit their soul, uh, not lose their soul, not, not lose the soulishness, the aliveness, the vibrancy of, of who they are in Christ. Hi, welcome to the Gary Wilkson Podcast. Glad you're here with us today. I'm in the studio with Dr. Mark Mayfield and my good friend, Matthew Ward. You might know Matthew. He's been with us before. Uh, he did a great episode about family life and some of the struggles that uh, they personally have been through. You may know him through his own uh, ministry, through Second Chapter of Acts and Matthew Ward Ministries. Uh, his wife, Deanne, is a stellar uh, missions leader and uh, helping with mental health and caring for the soul of people in, in need. So Matthew's with us here today. And Dr. Mark Mayfield, uh, Dr. You've been a good friend of mine uh, more in the recent uh, season, but uh, high impact in short season. Mm. I've had a lot of friends who have low impact over a long season, uh, but but you've really you know. not not Matthew, but you really <laughs> you really uh, brought a lot of change to my heart. The direction of our podcast has actually, I think, turned a corner to a healthier place, a more specific place, a more. Uh, I, I guess like an arrow shooting to mm. the to the center of the target of what my heart really hoped and intended all along this podcast would be. So I think our listening audience is going to be really thrilled over what we hear. Welcome, guys. Glad you're here with us today. Well, guys, this is fun. Uh, yeah. I, I love most of my podcasts. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy uh, my co-host and producer. If he's listening, he'll probably get mad at me. For, but, but it's nice having like a round Drive robin. Drive a big bus right over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just, just, just roll me over. Yeah. Uh, but really enjoy this, uh, looking forward to this conversation. So I know in our conversation, uh, just since we were preparing for this, I wanted you to be thinking about just um, your experiences in the church and in and, and faith and, and this conversation around mental health. I know it's kind of a taboo topic. And and I've been so immersed in it for the last 15, 20 years as a mental health professional, I maybe don't know why. And so my question, just as we kind of kick this off, is in, in your opinion, why is it hard for pastors and church leaders and churches? And, and people in church. And people in church, yes, yeah. to talk about mental and emotional health. Well, I think uh, – for me, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I was Roman Catholic, and so to leave that denomination or that 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 particular vein of Christianity, uh, I became a, I went to, went to church at a uh, Assemblies of God church after that and just started seeing that I really didn't know who the Lord was. I, I, I read about him in catechism, but I didn't realize you could have a relationship with him. So I based all of my processes on... This better be real because I was always told if I left the Catholic Church, I'd rot in hell. Right. Right. So I don't want to rot in hell. It sounds like a nasty place. So I wanted to make sure I had all my my eyes dotted and T's crossed <laughs> and everything before I jumped in. But anyway, all that is to say that after I got into the, the Protestant church and uh, you started hearing things about like, uh, you know, you're a new creature in Christ, you know, everything's made new. So— and I, I struggled with a lot of things mentally when I was young. I lost both of my parents at a very young age, mm -hmm. mom and dad, 10 at 12. Mm -hmm. That messes with your head. Yes. Uh, and I struggled with these things. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I thought, well, once I do that, I'm a new creature, so everything's all going to be better. Mm -hmm. But but it wasn't. A lot of things were. I realized I, I did have forgiveness of sins. Sure. I had a relationship that did start the day I committed my life to Christ. Mm -hmm. I know that that's real. Mm -hmm. But some of the other little artifacts of my faith didn't seem to be panning out like I thought they should mm -hmm. or what I was reading. 
So I always kind of scratched my head and didn't really talk much about that because I didn't want to be the odd man out. You know, like, well, you just need to, like you were saying, need to believe more, Pray trust harder. more. You know, he could do all things through yeah. Christ who's straight. <laughs> Absolutely. But at some point, uh, I think we hit a wall. Mm-hmm. At least I did as a kid, and I couldn't figure out. I should have gotten counseling and stuff, which I did not. Uh, I didn't do that till years later, till I was probably in my early thirties. Uh, but I should have, and I think that would have helped me with a lot of a lot of things that I struggled with as a young adult. But I think for me, as, as a a church goer, not as a a pastor or someone in a, in leadership of a church, but just as a attendee, uh, those things were difficult for me. I couldn't figure out how to navigate that stuff. And I think it's good that we're talking about this. We can get some things nailed down a little bit, maybe. And I hear a lot of things coming out of what you're just saying. And how much of it do you think was what I call psychological expectations, where the church really never said anything? Like if you talked about this, something's wrong with you, but it was like messages you were receiving just from how things were presented that you came to make those assumptions yourself. I think there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think... Uh, you know, and scripture is interesting. It's, you know, one person reads the scripture and interprets it one way and another person reads it and gets something totally else out of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that way a lot of times with our spiritual walk, especially, especially as new Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think we might have a handle on something and then we find out later that we we weren't even close. Right. Right. And I think that's some of the struggling. And when I said I wish I would have gotten counseling when I was younger, I think that would have helped me put handles on things that I couldn't grab. Mm. Uh, they were just loosey-goosey ideas in Scripture, but they didn't have any weight to me because I couldn't figure out how they worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, just, just so I st- stay on task here, the question on the table is, why is the church having some difficulty in dealing with people in the church who are maybe emotionally struggling, uh, mentally struggling, mental health issues in the church, and the, yeah. and the pastors and leaders are having difficult time with that? So let me just start by because I've been uh, I'm the president of World Challenge, a missions organization and a message preaching organization, but. Most of that time, I've also been a pastor of a local church. So, sure. so I'll always start with the defense of the of the church and yeah, the pastor. Absolutely. Um, take Matthew's story for instance. Um, his mental health, even though he didn't get counseling, shot up exponentially when he met Christ. Absolutely. Uh, the miracle of who you are in Christ now—that you're not a sinner, you're not lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, so the church does a marvelous job of some of the issues of the spirit, soul, and mind, yes. and, and body. Yep. Um, and yet at the same time, there are some very clear struggles in the church. First one I would say, in my experience, as you spoke about your experience, I'll speak about mine a little bit. Uh, mine was not not my mother and father, but the church they attended and they brought us as children to would be what I would call behavioralism. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not really about your soul, your spirit, your mind, your thoughts. It's just how you behave. Mm-hmm. So here's this list of things you do, and here's this list of things you don't do. Mm-hmm. So to get into delve into any things about how you're feeling alone, uh, let alone psychology, right. is 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 almost a taboo. It's just like you behaved. Uh, don't drink. Don't get drunk. Don't go to movies. Don't. And so I'd say that's the first one I noticed as as a young person. The second one I think it has to do more with um, fear. <clears throat> like okay, so you hear the word psychology. I think a lot of pastors think of you know Sigmund Freud or sure. Carl Jung, and you know if they study Jung a little bit, uh, you know he dabbled in. Uh, not only Eastern mysticism, but probably in demonic realms. Oh, yeah. And Freud was out of his mind Freud was to some degree, sexual Freud, problems and stuff. Freud was weird. <laughs> yeah, so a pastor's probably not going to get up in the pulpit 
on right. Sunday and say, uh, Sigmund Freud once told me, or, or <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. Or, I read uh, once. <laughs> uh, as a Freudian pastor or as a Jungian <laughs> yeah. pastor, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, first of all, you're going to confuse your congregation and half of them sure. are going to run away. And so there's a, there's kind of a resistance um, uh, to that. Getting a little closer to where a pastor in a church might be acceptable of mm-hmm. uh, mental health issues in the church would be, okay, sort of like the... Uh, you know, Dr. Phil, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the pop psychology, pop the, psychology. Yeah. So sure. it's not, so it's, it's not as unsafe as Freud and Jung. Yeah. Uh, it's not as, uh, but it's, but it's still a little bit out there. Oprah's a little bit of a, uh, of a challenge. On the fringe in, in a little some, bit more. In, yeah, yeah. In yeah. some ways you might say she's a Christian, but, yeah. but pastors might incorporate that. If you listen to a lot of pastors teaching today, particularly in the mega church, they incorporate a lot of pop psychology. They do. I'd say 90% of their sermons are not on things we used to hear about the cross, uh, uh, dying to self, mm-hmm. sanctification, uh, running from sin with all your heart, mm-hmm. uh, loving God, you know, it's loving God. It'd be more like how to cope, how to manage and stuff. So, but the problem is they're just dabbling on the corners without really digging into the heart of the, mm-hmm. uh, the issue. Yeah. And so, you know, the... The, uh, the uh, I'd say the third thing would be, and stop me if I'm rambling on. No, too this long. is great. All right, the third thing I'd say was is is what pastors realize and churches realize that what they have to face. So I j- just looked up recently the five top five things psychiatrists or doctors or therapists say are facing their clients today. Top top five in a general list of combined. N- number one was uh, major depression. Yep. Not like I feel a little bit bad, but no, like you can't ma- get out of bed. Yeah, know. right. Debil- yeah. Debilitating. Yeah. Uh, uh, some might call it existential dread. There's something wrong with me. I don't even know what it is. I'm right. just I dread my life. Uh, the other is general anxiety disorder, yeah. uh, and you know a lot of that's that's one pastors could really deal with it because the church is so anxious they fall asleep, mm-hmm. try to fall asleep at night, worried and fear, stress. Uh, third is now, now here's where it gets weird. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, right. which most of us as pastors don't even know what that is. Right. Um, sure. Unless we obsessively compulsively want them to tithe, then, <laughs> right. then, yeah. then, then it's <laughs> then it's good. Uh, bipolar is number four, and schizophrenia, mm-hmm. which is you know you might imagine yourself to be somebody else. You mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so so we're so we say okay, forget that. I'm not I'm not going to preach on you know, uh, bipolar disorder or, or right. if somebody walks in my office with that or- disorder, I don't know what to, to do with it. So they kind of just give up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll stick on behavioralism or I'll do, I'll add a little pop psychology, but sure. I really won't deal with that personal issue of pain, sorrow, suffering. Uh, and yet <clears throat> uh, I'll close my little, little sermon out here <laughs> this is good. With, uh, with, with just, uh, uh, why we as pastors and Christian leaders cannot avoid helping people who are hurting mm. uh, has to do with Jesus himself. Um, the word uh, soul in Greek is psyche, which is where we get the word psychology from. Mm. It's used 107 times in the ESV, whereas the word church, which pastors are like, they can talk day and night about church, our buildings, our programs, right. our strategies, our, our, uh, uh, our entertainment, our, our, our stage, our lighting, um, you know, and yet the church is talked about less than the soul. Hmm. And and Jesus himself talked about that in, uh, you know, he starts off in in one of his early teachings uh, about the love of God with all your heart, all your souls. That's the word psyche or suki. Mm-hmm. Uh, love love them with that. So so if we can't as churches help people get free from the things that are damaging or diminishing their psyche. The, the soul of who they really are, the person that God intended them to be, the, the glory, the giftedness, the preciousness of their life. If we can't help them 
through that, they're going to be living mundane lives of just mere existence, without joy, without peace. And then they're going to start wondering who, who this God is you keep preaching about that gives joy and peace, and, and I don't I have, have it. Yeah. yeah, and so, uh, you know, in Matthew 16, 26, Jesus said, uh, you know, what if you gain the whole word, but you forfeit your soul? And I think that's, that's, that's one of the goals a church should have is help people not forfeit their soul, mm-hmm. uh, not lose their soul, not, not lose the soulishness, the aliveness, the vibrancy of, of who they are in Christ. So, I mean, that's... That's good. I'm not going to answer any more of your questions this long, but no, this is good. This, this, no, this, this is the like one it. we can always I'm edit it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but, you know, but this is yeah. the one where yeah. you know we're talking about the churches, and I'm the I guess yeah. I'm the only one at the table that's <laughs> no, it's the great. pastoral experience. You were a pastor, I was for, a pastor while, for a while. Um, oh, so you yeah, you yeah. could you could chime in on that well, too, and tell me a little bit if you don't mind. I, uh, yeah, I don't please. want to interrupt your, your questions for us, but. So you, you're the only guy at the table who's worn both hats, mm-hmm. the pastor and the, the, the therapist uh, and the counselor and the life yeah. coach. And so well, I think part of the reason I, I transitioned from being a pastor to being a therapist is uh, I didn't have any answers. Wow. Like, I mean, I, I, that sounds bad, right? I got the whole, you know, canon of scripture right here. And I didn't have an answer for uh, a kid in my youth group that died by suicide. Right. I didn't have an answer for another kid that died by overdose. And and I had the church looking at me going, okay, so why is this happening? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, we live in a fallen world. And I mean, you I have could, all your past yeah, Sure, answers. I could have gone yeah. that way, right. but, you know, it's, yeah. And that's true. It is, and it is, right? I mean, yeah, yeah we're, we're a result of sin. Absolutely. And we're struggling with yeah. that until we get to heaven. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, like I need to have more practical tools I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. I believe in this, you know, the the um, sanctification, uh, you know, of the cross. I mean, I believe in all those things, and it just didn't seem to be. It, it was enough, but it didn't seem to be appropriate sitting with a mom and dad that had just lost their their sure. son, son to suicide. Why? Why? Why do you feel like you didn't have answers? Well, I don't think I was prepared enough in Bible school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm sure, I mean, I know there's people listening right now going, well, there's, well then there's, you should have shared this with them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. There's, there's plenty. And yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's, you know, now I know. But you, you don't have the tools. That's, that's, the, I think that's the, a really the, the tools. important thing. Yeah. Um, and so I chose, you know, and I, and I, I totally agree with you on, on Freud and Yoon. And I, I teach at Colorado Christian University in their Masters of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. And so we always, we joke about, you know, Freud and Yoon and, and, you know, when I teach a theories class or I teach human growth and development, I spend like five minutes on each of them and <laughs> Next. <laughs> throw it over the shoulder. Um, but but I think I think what I have seen, and I would love to hear you guys' opinion on this, and and is um, I have seen kind of this either or or if then fallacy mm. yeah, yeah, in the so church. True. You know, it's either the Bible or it's psychology or counseling, and I'm like. Mm. You know, I believe in in the the uh, the sacredness of all things. You know, God created all things. You know, we look go back to Genesis. Yes, we were marred by the fall, the sin, and that kind of. Thing. But I still think there's there's this sacredness in in everything that we do that is yearning for truth, that is yearning for Christ likeness, sure. that is yearning for heaven. And so uh, when I sit with my students that are kind of really black and white in the, well, it's, it's I'm, I'm here, but I'm not sure I should be here. I should be in a biblical counseling degree program or whatever. I'm like, guys, we're missing out on the richness of the integration of the two. And I think there's that, that, that 
if-then fallacy that if, if I dive into the Bible, then psychology is void. If I dive into psychology, then the Bible is void. My question is, why can't yeah, we have both? I, yeah, I think it's weird because there, there are scriptures that refer to that there's wisdom and counsel, mm-hmm. right? But, but we take those things and we throw them, well, what does that mean? Right. I think we haven't been able to define that mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is psychology. It is. <laughs> well, and, and going back to what you were saying about, you know, the, the Greek word for soul is you know, yeah. suki or psyche. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we're dealing with is matters of the soul. Absolutely. You know, and it, and it, it encompasses it. And so I love, one of my favorite things to do is to ruffle feathers in, in, as I'm teaching, but going, there is more beauty and more power in the um, yes and conversation of yeah. the integration piece. You know, I mean, you and I have had off off uh, uh, mic conversations about Larry Crabb and his the integration oh, piece yeah. there. I, I loved his stuff. I still love his stuff, and uh, I think there's a level of of actually hope that we can infuse into some of those things too. Of this is not the way it has to be. Mm. You know, we can find joy and peace and yeah. hope and freedom this side of heaven. You know, maybe not fully. Right. Um, you know, and and on the other hand. I am one to to admit this that I struggle with anxiety and depression. Yeah. Right? And so most days are good. Some days aren't. But in those days that aren't, I'm really recognizing the um the patience of the father with me. And I think you've probably over the years figured out what uh what holes not to let yourself go down. Sure. Right. You, Absolutely. You've, you've learned how to navigate and, mm-hmm. and that's all spiritual growth. And it that is. comes from counseling with other people. And you learn to, to walk around that pitfall instead of just yeah. kind of wading through it like you used to. Yeah. But there's still times when you get depressed and you, and you go, why, why am I depressed? I, I, I have struggled with depression mm-hmm. since I was probably in my early teens. Mm-hmm. I've been on meds for it before in the past. Sure. Me too. I have uh, as well. Yeah. No, I haven't been in, in a long, long time. Knock on the holy wood. <laughs> Knock on the ark. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, it's to me, it's just uh, like I was saying. It's all kind of in, there's there's things that we learn spiritually from each other that we can hopefully use in our tool belts, yeah. right? Because sometimes we're not equipped. We don't have the right tools for the right job. Right. And I think sometimes it's hard to know what tools to bring. <laughs> and, and I think. We have to recognize, too, when it's time to ask for somebody to teach us how to use a new set oh, of tools. Yeah. And that's humbling and scary and, yeah. and those kinds of things. A level? Yeah. What you mean it has level? to be level? Yeah. Well, both you guys have been very vulnerable about, you know, the depression and things. You know, mine, mine I think it would be my anxiety. I get a little bit stressed out over things and mm-hmm. get to that uh, – the thing where you you get that cycle of same thought worried over and you can't fall yeah. asleep and stuff. So all of us have that. So but, but taking it in context of what we're talking about here today, uh, either or. So so is is therapeutic counseling our only hope, or is the church our only hope? And right. biblical, you know, somebody standing up in the pulpit, you know. And, and if you go back to what I'm thinking here, if you're going to go on a Sunday and all you're going to get is behavioralism, right, or sort of almost anti psychology soul, soul care right uh, that doesn't seem to to be so so what are we how do we how do we integrate that mm-hmm. is there some ways we could well I think it's having churches do that I think it's having a right understanding I mean mm-hmm. one of my favorite passages and is is just the the beauty of the psalmist in one Psalm 139 right and you look at the the metaphors used in that scripture of, of almost like the the tapestry knitting 
together of who we are and how, you know, in our mother's womb and the, and the yeah. fact that he's seen our unformed parts and they were, you know, I love that passage. I don't think we read it. I love reading it in different versions, you know, yeah. King James, New King James, ESV, Message. Amplified. Amplified, you know. Yeah. Uh, back when I was in Bible school, I could read the Hebrew, but I can't do that now. Yeah. I don't know if you can. No. No. Durka, <laughs> Durka. <laughs> yeah, it can't do it. But I, I, I was going to throw this out to you and just to see what your, your uh, thoughts are. But I, I don't think we recognize just how beautiful and how representative of God Actually, the triune God, our our brain is, and I think that's what it, I think that what comes down to is just a a misunderstanding of, of the brain, of the brain and the yeah. mind, and yeah. what and what their purposes are. Um, you know, oh, it's and it's so complex. I've been reading all these different books. I'm not going to name them because some people go, I can't believe you're reading that lady. What the <laughs> heck? But uh, I. I don't care. I'll I'll read anything. Yeah, me I, too. I like yep. to just I like not to be open like so that the demons can come and fill my heart. But that's I like not, that's I, not your goal. That's that's not, not, at least not that's the, not, not the, the goal. goal. <laughs> my name is Legion. No, I'm just um, but I, I read stuff, just all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and I think the Lord is is He's big enough, and He sits on the throne of my life in a way that that uh, I don't think those things are going to mess me up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, I, and I weigh all those things out with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Thank God, well, you know, you whatever's trash in this, just, yep. you know, but there's been things that I've been picking up about, about the brain. I've, re- I've been reading three or four different books on the brain and it is, we, we don't understand Mm-mm. much about the brain at all. I mean, they're talking about these different levels and mm-hmm. they used to say, well, it's just the left and the right side brain. Now there's like four parts, there's yep. two parts to each half and, you know, all, all this stuff they're finding out. And I'm sure in 10 years they'll be going, well, that was good, but actually there's 14 parts, parts to each half. Exactly. And, but uh, but I, I think it's good for us as Christians not to just take all the knowledge that people have learned because God gave people brains mm-hmm. to use and to cipher things and to go, no, this is junk. This doesn't work. And this does work. Whether, even whether they're Christians or not. Sure. Right. And I, that, I, now I'm really getting out there, but um, just because someone doesn't know who God is, doesn't mean that God hasn't empowered them. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. So I guess that's well, what I'm getting at with a lot I, of these things. I, I'm reading. And I think that's, I think where the misinformation comes from, especially within the church is, is we can't see the brain. Right. So, you know, and what part of the non-physical part of our brain is our mind and our soul, Mm -hmm. you know, and you look at scripture, you know, uh, I love, you know, in Romans where it says, you know, we just need to, um, you know, renew our minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in Philippians, think on these things, whatever is holy, you know, noble, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on these things. Well, there's a reason, and there's, I mean, we can go on and on about the different parts of scripture that talk about our mind, um, but... I always ask this question: What, what? You know, it's the chicken or the egg. Does the mind control the brain, or the brain control the mind? Mm. And and that really lays the foundation for how we're going to answer this next question. Because if the brain controls the mind, then we're behaviorists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just just get your behavior in line, and everything, everything will come will be into, good. Everything will be good. If the mind controls the brain, then we actually have some power over our choices. Then we have some power over our emotions. You know, right. I think we misread, and we'll get to this probably in a couple, couples, not this week, but next mm-hmm. time or the time after that, is we misread this passage that says the heart is deceitful above all else. Now we think emotions are bad. Yeah. Well, no, 
they're they're not bad or good. They just are, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're indicators of things. It's how we use them. So I I throw this out all the time, and I think that's at least in my opinion. I want to hear what you th- we think, okay. Gary, too. Yeah. Is that I I feel like at least I did as a pastor, and I have to be very careful not to do this now. Is piece together things to make my opinion. Okay. Right. And I think it's yeah. it's really going, okay, let's get the let's get as much information as possible, like you're doing, reading these books and yeah. scriptures and that kind of stuff and being in community with others and Absolutely. having conversations. Is we don't fully understand and recognize how God has designed us to function. And and at, for that person that's you know, maybe in sin and the pastor comes in and stops sinning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. That is correct. Yes. Totally. You know, stop doing what you keep on doing. Well, I can't, you know, you know, I'm doing what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do, right? But most people will say, well, you know, the devil made me do it. I can't help it, whatever that is, versus going, oh, I have a choice in this. I actually am able to change the course of my neural pathways in my brain by how I respond to this. I can create a new habit in 90 days and change the course of my behavior, but it's going to take some work. I'm not sure I want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that sounds hard. So I think, I think so I, I put a lot out there. So no, I that's good. Yeah, yeah. The... My mind is racing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your mind is racing. Yeah. This and that and that and this. <laughs> yeah, just linking back to where we started the podcast, we were asking the question about, you know, how does a church handle people mm-hmm. in, in congregation, which is probably everybody in the congregation who's, who's struggling emotionally or uh, things of the issues of the mind or the heart or relationships, internal things. Uh, now we're talking about the mind specifically, but if we could link that back together, I would say that the mind and, and the brain that functions with the mind uh, gives us the, 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 the lenses, so to speak, to interpret scripture properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and what you really, what you feed your mind on um, will, will affect when you open up the scripture. You know, so, so if you're in politics 24-7 and you just watch news day and night, you're kind of, and you're a preacher, say, for instance, you're probably going to open up scripture and say, like, you know, Jeremiah says the nation shall be destroyed. And, you know, you'll preach 52 weeks a year on on, on judgment on America or something like that. You know, and so so our mind, I, I believe, what we feed our mind on then feeds the lens which we see scripture through. And whatever we see the lens of scripture through, that's how we relate to each other, whether you're pastor Absolutely. teaching or whether you're a friend counseling mm-hmm. uh, one another or your small group uh, yeah. is, is affected by that. So so we're saying the soul or the suke is is extremely important. But, you know, the question, the chicken, and the egg, which comes first, uh, the, the soul, you know, to me, it's almost like, and I know a whole lot less than you. So correct me if I'm delving. I know you've studied the, the, the brain quite a bit. You're the only doctor at the table here t- today. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and you didn't I bring any, them, you didn't no, bring any no, throat lozenges. No, no, I thought sorry, a doctor would, would bring, yeah. but my friend Chris got me some tea, so I'm okay. Uh, but. You know, I just I read something recently said, uh, you know, we've always thought that cortisol that's isn't that the thing that makes you feel better? That's the stress hormone. That's the stress. What's the good oxytocin one? Oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin. So that's that's the, good stuff that happens mm-hmm. function in your brain. But I was reading something recently that said that your your gut bacteria. Oh, that's uh, serotonin. And serotonin. Dopamine. Okay, I yeah. knew you needed to yep. be here Ser- for, for my genius <laughs> yep. to, to so really. Seroto- come serotonin and dopamine are it actually. It starts in the gut, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes up into the, and so to me that's just like kind of a picture of what you know Christ is like in our souls, like. Let's ask the Lord, is it my mind or my, my inner 
being my heart that drives yeah. my mm-hmm. things. Like, and That's the awesome. answer is yes. Yes, uh-huh. it's 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 both. It's this combination of uh, I can, I, but, and but to limit one or the other, if there's a block, which right. you see a lot, probably in your counseling thing, and Matt, as you travel around the world ministering and music to a lot of people, you know, they come up to ask you to pray for them afterwards. Yeah. I've heard a lot of those stories, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, yeah. and you're able to discern that, like, okay, yeah. they're they're really they want an intellectual answer only, yeah. so they're blocking that good mm-hmm. stuff that can come yeah. up from the heart, or mm-hmm. they only want their heart to feel better and stuff, but you're telling them truth of scripture. Oh, no, I don't want to deal with that. So I think yeah. the the mind, yeah. and that's so that's my two cents on it. But mm-hmm. I do have a question for you. Yeah. If I could turn the tables, yeah. Is there a difference between the brain and the mind? Yes. And what what would the difference be? The brain is the flesh organ. Okay. Uh, you know, so the gray matter. The gray matter. Yeah. The 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 white matter. The 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 neurons firing, is actually as a, a result of the mind. So the mind is the result of the brain. Yes. Gotcha. The mind is outside of the brain or inside the brain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So is it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, is it, it in the gut? Nerves, or is it's in your, because here's something that soul. something yeah. that I uh, in my research for my my new book that's coming out in a couple about a year or so is that um, they've actually done a study where they've measured the weight of somebody before they died, and then right after they passed, and their weight decreases by a half a pound. Wow. When they die. What do you think that half pound is? Soul, blood pressure. Soul, mind. Mind. Blood pressure. Yeah. Blood, pr- blood, blood pressure. Blood pressure. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. blood pressure. I don't know why that would keep, <laughs> make you heavier. Right. Wow. But, but to, to go, I mean, so we, we can't deny the non-physical piece of us. We can't, we can't see it. And I think that's where a lot of, I think, churches, you know, people in the ministry get, and I, I, I rightfully so, get kind of skeptical of things. We can't see it. We can't put a finger on it. And, and it's hard to explain uh, and then there's these wackadoos out there that are trying to explain it, and mm-hmm. I don't want that to be infiltrated into my, you know, my my congregation and those kinds of things. And I think that's where the discernment comes in. Yeah. But I think it's coming back to just a, a really basic understanding of um, of how God has designed us and how He's created us. You know, if we look at the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and we believe that that what Genesis says is true, that God, you know, He says, "Let us make man in our image." Now we are a representation of the Trinity. So physical body, representation of, you know, God, the Son. Um, and you know, there's the spiritual. The spiritual side of us, God, the Holy Spirit. But then God, wow. the Father, is this, you know, at least the in my soul. my opinion, the soul, the mind, the <laughs> emotional representation. That's interesting. Know? And, That's cool. And I think we we tend to silo these things, right? You go to the mm-hmm. doctor for your physical. Well... Uh, I have a problem with that because most doctors that are physical are all about pharmaceuticals and and medical stuff. They're pushing the next drug or whatever, right? And and not to say that they're bad because God has you know designed that field for a reason. But if we just silo it there, then somebody that comes in and says I have a stomach ache, uh, they're going to give them X, Y, and Z protocol. But if somebody comes to the church, you know they might. And I'm simplifying this majorly, mm-hmm, sure. right? But they're saying, go well, let me pray over you and pray for you and pray for healing and. That couldn't work. The doctor's thing could work. Or, you know what? They're actually living in an abusive relationship and they're dealing with severe anxiety and, and that's manifesting things, yeah. in their stomach. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you know, you know, the counselor might look at it from this perspective. But if we go, okay, I want, I want the pastor's perspective. I want the doctor's perspective. I want the counselor's perspective. And let's integrate these things. Now we get a holistic picture of whether they believe it or not. Mm-hmm. 
they can deny the existence of God. They're still in, they're still, they're they're still created in the image it. of the uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. still created in the image of the Triune God, whether they yeah. want to believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. That's the first Thessalonians, uh, second Thessalonians passage where it talks about the, that you may be whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, New American Standard, I think it is that you might be whole in your spirit, soul, and body, mm-hmm. uh, holy before the Lord. Uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of holy, H O L Y and W H O L L Y, fullness of whole, and that's uh, that's the integration. I think that's really important. Is so few of us live a really integrated, fully life that the kingdom of God has for us. We compartmentalize. Right. I, I, I'm a behavioralist. Like I said earlier, I'm I'm a, I'm really into the spirit. The Holy Spirit will make, mm-hmm. you know, because that's a whole other realm we oh, talk is. about is just a, all you just depend on the Holy Spirit for everything and he'll take care of you. And, you don't and have I, enough faith. I, I believe or, that. Yeah, yeah, not enough faith. But mm-hmm. uh, to integrate uh, all these things that are truths. Well, let me just can I, can I give you guys a couple of statistics. I think it's mm, just yeah. f- fascinating yeah. and facts about the brain. I don't think we talk about this. So this could be a sermon series, right? Yeah. Uh, of just the greatness of God. Or a in, song. Or, or, no, well, there it is. There it is. Right yeah. there. I should have brought a notepad. Yeah. Here, let me give you some paper. Yeah. Um, well, our brain consists of 100 billion neurons. Nerve cells. Uh, you know, brain yeah. brain cells. Hundred. Well, most people. Well, <laughs> well, true. Yeah. If you're doing. I got like 37. <laughs> yeah. Billion. But think about that. I mean, how do you quantify 100 billion? Yeah. Like just even think through that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's a lot more than a thousand. But here's the here's the weird thing. Every so you you talk, you, you alluded to gray matter, white matter. Gray matter is the physical part of the brain. White matter is actually the fu- the electrical firing of the neurons. Right. Every neuron has between one thousand and no, sorry, ten thousand and one hundred thousand connections per neuron. So every brain cell has between ten and one hundred thousand connections with an average of about forty thousand connections per brain cell. Mm. So how do you quantify that? Yeah. Like how do you how, I don't know how to conceptualize that. Um, there are 2.5 million gigabytes of storage in our brain. If you think about it from a phone, you know, our phone is like 256 megabyte. I don't know mm. where our phones are now, you know, but 2.5 million gigabytes of million storage. Million gigabytes. Of, in our brain. So how many terabytes is that? I don't know. I can't do oh, the man. math. You're the one, <laughs> two makes eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, a piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand, so those of us that like the beach, you know, a grain of sand, has 100,000 neurons and 1 billion connections. Jeez. Mm. I'm just thinking about that, right? Yeah. That's right. How do you quantify How do you quantify that? that? Yeah. The neuron communication, so the firing, we call it synapse connections, neuron firings, the white matter of our brain, um, they've clocked it at 260 miles an hour. So when a neuron fires... It is faster than an Indy car. Wow. And that's just when we're putting things together. The, the neat thing about this, though, and this is where I, I, I love uh, uh, when I do go to churches and I'm able to preach and I preach from this perspective, is that we have the ability to grow and change our own brain through our mind until the day we die. So when somebody says, I can't help it, I'm like, well, you can. You just need the tools to be able to realize how do I make those steps towards. Mm-hmm. And we look at that it takes three cycles of 30 days to make a new habit. Wow. So 90 days. That seems a little overwhelming. So I say three cycles of 30 days yeah, break it down. To, to make a new habit. And really what that does is it takes the firing of the neurotransmitters in a place that is like a habit, right? So I don't think twice about it until I'm after I'm done. I'm like, oh, crud, why do I do that? And that's a lot of sin is I don't catch myself unless I'm planning. I don't catch myself until afterwards. Mm -hmm. And now I'm mad at myself. 
we that's just a uh, what we call a very um, very solid neural pathway. It's like a, a highway thoroughfare. Right. We can change that. We can actually shrink that highway down to a two-lane dirt road mm. and then build a highway someplace else in our brain by recognizing we have control over that. Mm. Right. And I think, again, going back to the conversation, is it just it's that, it's that misinformation. The pop psychology is not always right. Yeah. Pop psychology speaks to our emotions and what feels good, right. and it's having that right understanding. I like that. And, and so the, the, the beautiful thing is that is that when we are, especially as parents and we're engaging with our kids and those around us, is the way that we engage our kids gives them a 25% greater ability to succeed or 25% less ability to succeed based mm. on those kinds of things. Mm. So I don't know how that sits with you guys. I just uh, Every time no, I talk I about this, it just blows my I mind. I think it's interesting you're talking about how, how the brain – gets used to doing a certain thing when you ma- when you master it or do it enough. Right. Uh, I was just reading an article about uh, someone who was a, a concert pianist. And they sit down and they map their brain while they were playing. And it's just very, you know, you, activity, obviously. Sure. But for me to sit down, I don't know where middle C is on the piano. And try to just pluck out a melody, like try to figure it out and try to do it the right way and not make a mistake. I'm burning more energy than that guy who's playing Chopin mm-hmm. because he has trained his brain to do it. Mine's not trained to do the simplest function of what he's doing at the most complicated level, and he's putting out less energy than I am. But that's, the, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing. And I think that's spiritually, if we don't know the word of God, right. we, we're going to put all these energies into things that are not in our hearts, nope. and we're just burning energy. Yeah. But when they become part of us, when, yes. it, when that is part of what we've been eating and it's, yep. if we breathe it in and out, it's natural for us to speak the truth and the truth mm-hmm. comes out because it's not being hindered by what we don't understand about it. Well, it goes back to what you were saying earlier too is that when we do that, you're talking about that too, when we're reading, filling our mind with things of the Lord and of Scripture, yeah. it might not take away the depression. Right. But it gives us a skill set and a toolbox of going, okay, I know when I'm feeling this way. I have a choice to root myself back into truth. Well, yeah. And you know that if, if you keep going down that way, it's going to get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So you head it off. Yeah. And you go the other direction. And you it don't Like you you're don't saying, it, it doesn't alleviate it no. necessarily even right away. Right. But it does help. It starts mm-hmm. the process. I know. I've done that time and time again where I found myself falling down the hole. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, no, if I do this, I'm going to end up over here. And, and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. So I have to go over here now. And but that's... Part of the concert pianist right. brain, you know? Or when things blindside us, you know, like I had something blindside me uh, about a week ago. And, I, I, you know, I woke up one morning going, oh, man, that's a familiar feeling. I don't I don't like that. Yeah. What's going on? And I had to, instead of ignoring it, I had to engage it. I had to sit with right. it. This is hard. This is not feeling the fun. This is why. I'm like, oh, that's why. So I went down, I journaled kind of my thoughts and, and kind of got them out on paper. Yeah. The feeling didn't go away. I actually lasted for about two days of just like, you know, going back to the Princess Bride, the pit of despair. Yeah, the pit know? of despair. <laughs> but uh, Bring out your dead. <laughs> but I, I recognized it and it was lasted two days instead of two weeks. Right. Right. And I rooted myself in scripture. And, there you, you go. Know, and I talked to my wife and I yeah. called up my therapist. Yeah. I have one. That's you know? good. Yeah. And well, you're... you're uh, 
you're talking about change, and uh, you know, I, I love what you said. I've never heard that before. It's like you know, you could take what is now your highway. Uh, you know, it's, it's some uh, uh, um, sinful behaviors mm-hmm. is, your, is your your brainwave highway, and then your you can take that and make that a dirt road, and then the the righteous. Mm-hmm. Highway becomes the, the highway. You know, I, whenever I'm in a conversation like this, I'm always uh, personally intrigued, but I'm also thinking about it, you know people listening and they're and, yeah. and they're saying, okay, you started the conversation talking about, you know, does the church deal with mental health? And all of a sudden, as I was listening to you guys talk, I, I realized, you know, you mentioned about depression. I have that too, or I have I'm struggling with pornography, or my marriage is falling apart. And now, you're, and all of a sudden, you shift gears and you're talking about the brain. How does that relate to mm-hmm. my mm. desire to be helped sitting in the church pew? And I think you, you hit on something there that both you guys have that, that I think is vital, saying that you you can change. You know, just having hope that you can change is is, is yeah. part of that. Not, well, I think that was where the church steps in. This is yeah. coming back. To, I'm glad you brought us. You're good, bringing us back okay. to the. <laughs> he's good. Yeah, he's, he's a good really good. engineer. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of the people listening. They're, yeah, they're, no, I love they're, they're probably thinking, okay, so there's a reason you're talking about the brain yeah. now in lieu of me sitting in that church with my problems. Because I think what it is, and, mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll bring this, you know, we're coming down to our time for this this episode, we'll you know, bring it out more, but I think what it is, is when somebody sees you for, the, for where you are and who you are without judgment or without uh, condemnation yeah. or fear, okay, Gary, I see that you're struggling. Yeah. Welcome to church. Yeah. You're safe here. We're not going to try to get you to where we think you should be right now. Right. Just be something in the brain actually unlocks. Yeah. Your mind can change. And, and, you know, it's like I always push back a little on how long it takes to change because I've heard hmm. different things. You're saying 93 or three sec- I've, sections. I've heard 21 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never changed that quick. Personally, oh, 21 um, days. I haven't changed any behaviors. Of my, I've, I've lasted 90 and then sure. Well, white knuckling it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't yeah. know. I mean, diet Coke. Yeah. That didn't take 90 days probably for you to not do that. No, anymore. you're probably right. Okay. So I'm wrong. <laughs> there we I'll go. just shut up. <laughs> no, I'm just, throw, I just, that's <laughs> thing it's a greater mind dealing with the lesser mind. No, there's some, there's some things I've changed on, but, but what you said there just gives me hope because it's like the, the small road's still there, mm. and if I'm too negative with myself, right. then I tend to say, oh, I didn't change because that small road's still there. I still want Diet Coke, even though I, don't, right. I haven't had any Diet yeah. Coke in three or four years now. Uh, that, that was God. a major change. But you know, if I go to the store and see a Diet Coke, I say, oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. nice. Icy yeah. cold. Yeah. So that, that, still there. So I don't feel totally changed. But that gives me – that's yeah. joyful. So I think a person in mm-hmm. listening to this can say like, okay, you know, I, I, I don't have to get you – know, I don't have to be perfectly without anger. I don't right. have to be perfectly without some depression in my life uh, to be a good Christian. It's like that, mm-hmm. that little dirt road could still be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but what you're saying is powerful. Fair, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a highway. Yeah. And, and, and matter of fact, Scripture calls it a highway of holiness. Right. Sure. And, uh, and that, that's what God has available for us. Wow. Well, and that's uh, the, the fallacy is we don't think our brain can change. But there's, I mean, there's, that used to be the science, right? That used to be the science, and now they're, they're probably about 25 years old. We've seen in brain scans individuals that have had traumatic brain injuries. Part of their brain is black, damaged. dead, damaged, yeah. or whatever. That you see the actual activity of the brain grow around it, mm-hmm. and grow actually with with, and, with work. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. But with work, you see that part of the brain. Dr. Daniel Amen, mm-hmm. um, you know, speaks to this quite a bit. I really enjoy him, and um, you know, but that there's there's pieces of the the brain that can be um, circumvented by the mind. Now, obviously, we know in a fallen world, there's parts of the brain that if they're damaged, can't be. 
uh, or fully. You know, there right. parts of it can be restored. Um, but I think that what happens, and I'd love to finish with this, I think what happens in the church then is we don't know how to respond well. And I'm, I'm again, uh, maybe being a little bit hard on the church as a whole, I think just you know, from my own experiences, maybe I'll preface it as that, is that um, we don't know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. When somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm struggling, and you're like, great, this is a great place to be, you're safe, now what? Yeah. And I think that's where there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. of, I don't know how to help this person. Would you agree, disagree? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I, I would agree that wholeheartedly that, um, you know, again, speaking as from a pastor's point of view, the, the, the lore and the pull of the American pulpit has a whole lot to do with, you, you can almost become a pop star you know, you, you can almost become a little bit of a, a Christian rock star in the pulpit. You got the lights and the mirrors and smoke and and the big crowd and the applause. With the fog machines, yeah. In the fog Maybe, machines, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. You know, and, so, and so, you know, to, to actually, you know, to stop thinking about that for a minute and sit down with somebody face-to-face and really care about them. You know, like a friend of mine, you, know, you remember Randy Adams? Uh, mm-hmm. Randy wrote a song, if I could have one thing that Jesus had, it wouldn't be to speak to the masses or the crowds. Or it wouldn't be to have miracle working power, but it would be to sit down with one person and love them face to face. And uh, I think good. I think that's something I need to continue to learn. And whether it be a pastor or a member in the pew, you know, the, the, the person in the pew could be very critical of the pastor who's trying to become a rock star instead of maybe right. bef- taking them out to coffee and saying, hey, how's your soul? How, yeah. you know, and caring for one another and, and having them, the, you know, I love what you're talking about, the mind, uh, how incredible it's how God formed us fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just it's beyond my mental comprehension to comprehend my mind. And maybe in our next episode, we could talk a little bit too about, because another question about, you talk about all that firing going on. What what's going where? You know, 260 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Is it just shooting out of our brains into the? <laughs> you know, so maybe yeah. we could talk a little bit more about that too, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'd love to touch on so next episode. Uh, really talk through uh, this conversation of of a theology of suffering and a theology of care uh, in the church, um, mm. because I think that plays into a lot of how we sit with people or we don't sit with people. Uh, when it comes to to that pieces, so okay. we'll... I'll talk about the care and let him talk about the suffering, <laughs> or vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah, I think we could both probably talk uh, about all, each. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, all three of us. Yeah, who can? Um, right? Well, this has been really good, and and I appreciate you all, um, both for just the honesty and the openness. Yeah. But uh, I think this is the, to be honest, this is the only way that I think some of these things can be changed is just honest conversations. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.